We're going to continue today in Acts chapter 5. <clears throat> I, I got literally maybe two hours of sleep last night. Somebody said, what was wrong? It wasn't that anything was wrong. <laughs> I, was, I was here late um, preparing, and, 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 and initially, six hours early, I thought I would be gone. But the Lord had other plans and started reading something. just got pretty fascinated with it in, uh, in preparation. I want you to stand with me as I pray, and we're going to give the title, which will be a continuation of last week, and then we will jump right into the Word. Today, Lord, we thank you for ministry. We thank you for Sister Catherine and what you're doing in her life. We're praying for her, her body. We're praying that you will, uh, God, do a work that just blows our mind. We thank you for guest Larry and that within her what he saw, the smile and says, I want to go and see what that's about and today that he's here. And today we, we're grateful for uh, the word of God and for the lives of people live that honor your holy name. So today we pray that you will be lifted up. In this place, may your name be honored. We thank you that it has already been honored. And we pray today that you will bless the messenger, anoint me as I proclaim the word of God. Pray that it will go forth in power, that it will reach the hearts of the people in this place. We we honor you, we bless you, and we give all glory to your name. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. You may be seated. We're going to continue from last week, and I'm going to read the most of the chapter. I'm going to read verses 5 to 23, Acts chapter 5. Verses, chapter 12, verses 5 through 23. Acts 12, 5 through 23. We're going to continue the message from last week going further today. Um, the title, if you remember, is what's called A Very Bleak Outlook, but hold on. A Very Bleak Outlook, and you can put dot, 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 but hold on. I'll be reading from the New International Version. And it begins and says in verse 5, So Peter was kept in prison, but the church was earnestly praying to God for him. The night before Herod was to bring him to trial, Peter was sleeping between two soldiers, bound with two chains. And sentries stood guard at the entrance. Verse 7, Suddenly an angel of the Lord appeared, and a light shone in the cell. He struck Peter on the side and woke him up. Quick, get up, he said. And the chains fell off Peter's wrists. Then the angel said to him, put on your clothes and sandals. And Peter did so. Wrap your cloak around you and follow me, the angel told him. Peter followed him out of the prison, but he had no idea that what the angel was doing was really happening. He thought he was seeing a vision. They passed the first and second guards and came to the iron gate leading to the city. It opened for them by itself, and they went through it. When they had walked the length of one street, suddenly the angel left him. Then Peter came to himself and said, Now I know without a doubt that the Lord sent his angel and rescued me from Herod's clutches and from everything the Jewish people were anticipating. 
when this had dawned on him, he went to the house of Mary, the mother of John, also called Mark, where many people had gathered and were praying. Peter knocked at the outer entrance, and a servant girl named Rhoda came to answer the door. When she recognized Peter's voice, she was so overjoyed, she ran back without opening it and exclaimed, Peter is at the door. You're out of your mind, they told her. When she kept insisting that it was so, they said it must be his angel. But Peter kept on knocking, and when they opened the door and saw him, they were astonished. Peter motioned with his hand for them to be quiet and described how the Lord had brought him out of prison. Tell James and the brother about this, the brothers about this, he said, and then he left for another place. In the morning, there was no small commotion among the soldiers as to what had happened to Peter. After Herod had a thorough search made for him and did not find him, he cross-examined the guards and ordered that they be executed. Then Herod went from Judea to Caesarea and stayed there a while. He had been quarreling with the people of Tyre and Sidon. They now joined together and sought an audience with him. Having secured the support of Blastus, a trusted personal servant of the king, they asked for peace because they depended on the king's country for their food supply. On the appointed day, Herod, wearing his royal robe, sat on his throne and delivered a public address to the people. They shouted, this is the voice of a God and not of a man. Immediately, because Herod did not give praise to God, an angel of the Lord struck him down, and he was eaten by worms and died. Verse 24, but the word of God continued to spread, increase and spread. The Lord bless the reading of his word. Sister Strippling, it's so good to see you again. I'm, 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 I'm acknowledging you just changed sides on me today, but that's all right. I still see you. <laughs> a very bleak outlook, but hold on. Point number one, if you're writing this down, getting a good night's sleep before execution. Getting a good night's sleep. That's point one that we want to address today. As we mentioned last week, um, Herod Agrippa I is the king Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and he's, he's, he was the grandson of Herod the Great. He is on the throne. He had James killed, and when he saw how the Jewish people responded and was glad to see that, the Bible says that he proceeded to arrest Peter. The only reason that Peter was not killed right then was because it was the Passover. I think I can say with a degree of accuracy that most people would have had a hard time sleeping the night before they knew they were to be murdered. I think that your sleep would have escaped you. <laughs> Peter, in this solitary confinement, has no clothes on. And, and in these places of solitary confinement, it was often very cold, very damp. And he is put into this place, and he is chained to two soldiers. Now, there are 16 guards on shift that have been assigned to guard Peter. And there are two sentries that are chained to him, 
to ensure that he doesn't get up and go anywhere, try to escape. And there are two at the door. Now, if the guards knew what was actually about to happen to them, I don't think they would have been sleeping so well that night. The Bible said that he was sleeping between two soldiers. Knowing that you are scheduled to die the next day really defies logic how Peter could really be sleeping at this time. If you know that your execution is the next day, it, it, it just defies logic for you to be getting a good night's sleep. I, I imagine that, that some of you would be pleading with God. Some of you would, would, would be crying and shaking, and I'd imagine all of us would be, knowing our demise. Of all things in life, the prospect of dying is the most severe trial that a person can face on earth. When you think of all the things that one has to deal with, aspect of the prospect of dying is very, very difficult. There are many people who can't sleep from worry about what they're going to wear. They lose sleep worrying about if their team is going to win the Super Bowl. They lose sleep about if they're going to run, run out of their choice of bread at lunchtime when they go to the supermarket to get their favorite sandwich. And so people, for a variety of things, they worry and lose sleep over things that really oftentimes don't matter. But when it comes to the matter of sin, when it comes to the matter of fornication and adultery, comes to the matter of lying and cheating, people seem to sleep right on through it. We tend to not lose sleep over the things that trouble the heart of God. And we worry about things that really can't change anything. If God was to remove his hand of grace while we slumber soundly with an unrepentant heart, we would be terrorized by his judgment. You see, Peter had, had denied Christ when Peter had said that he was going to stay with the Lord, willing to die. Jesus said, Peter, Satan has asked to sift you as wheat. See, I don't know about a sifter. I, I, I recently recall that when my dad and mom were making things like he get the flour and put it in the sifter. And that time they didn't have this thing; they had to crank. Had ours had a little green handle. I don't why. Why do all sifters look like they are like all beat up? You ever notice? Dented. I, I just just like there's something about sifter. They come out of the store that way, just beat up. Go to people's house. They got a beat up sifter. And then at the, in, the, in the thing, for whatever reason, they don't always pull out the little, you know, the hard flower that, that kind of is in there. It's like, why don't they just pour it in the garbage when they're done? You know? We always seem to have a little stuff in that sifter. But, but, but they, my, they, would, they would put the flour in and sift. I mean, why are y'all sifting? Well, it needs to make it lighter. And then they would sometimes do it twice. Take that which they just sifted and sift it again. 
But Jesus said, Peter, but I prayed for you. <laughs> that when you return, when you repent, Peter, I want you to strengthen your brethren. Peter took that seriously because when Peter had denied Christ and had, had, had went away and when that rooster crowed and Peter recognized what he had done with looking at Jesus, oh, how something comes to your mind. I tell you, I told you all this before. When I was told to do something, sweep them stairs. Okay, before I get back, don't let me look up and see my parents coming up the street. Oh, I immediately remember <laughs> while I'm out playing strikeout with Keithan and Derrickson and Dwayne and Byron and, 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 and who are Lucy Thomas, all of the boys. And, oh, I was supposed to sweep the stairs. Whether I was batting or not, let me go get that beat-up broom that we had for the stairs. And quickly there was dust flying everywhere. They told me to have this done. <laughs> and there are times when something happens, your, your mind goes back to that point, and it's like when you see it, oh, I remember. Peter remembered what Jesus said. But you know what Peter did? When he repented, man, he was on fire for the Lord. It's just like this. When, when, when your parents told you, I'm going to tell you one more time, and then they pop you, the next time you call them, they call you, yes, sir, yes, ma'am. You write there. They got your full attention. After a while, it starts to doing it. But the moment you do, they, they get you. For a period of time, you are at attention. And everything they say, you remember. Peter has Come back with a vengeance, and he's serving God. He's, he's healing people. He's, he's on fire. And that's why I believe that Peter could be sleeping, even though he is scheduled to be executed, knowing that James has already been killed. What a sad state to be in when one feels that they have to run and press against time because their work is undone. It is in this jail that the Lord dispatches an angel. Anytime the Lord comes on the scene, light is always present. <laughs> Whenever there is the presence of the Lord, light is always present. The, the miracle that we know with this angel uh, is that the angel only wakes up Peter. And he, and, and he keeps the guards from hearing Anything, that's a miracle. Uh, seeing the light, uh, they don't see the light. And then when the angel tells Peter to get up, notice that Peter's action, when he gets up, the chains that bind him to the guards, up, they fall off. You see, Peter was, was used to seeing visions from the Lord because we talked about how the Lord had shown him a vision when Cornelius had sent the men to, to Joppa to, to, to have Peter... Come back to Caesarea. And, and, and he had was in a trance that saw a vision. And so Peter is at this time thinking that he is seeing a vision. You know, you know how we can get. We get out, come out, of, a, out of a dream. Like, Am I dreaming? And, you, and coming out of a deep sleep, you, you don't recognize, was I, was, I, was I dreaming? And so Peter thinks that he's dreaming. There are people today that don't realize that they're living in the dark and are chained to those, to those who are keeping them for the day of execution. 
It is the light of God's word that urges us to hurry on. It is the angel that says, Peter, quick, get up and hurry on. Now, Peter could have stood there and began to reason, what, what do you mean, get up? I'm, I'm chained. I can't get up. What, what do you mean, get, get, get my clothes? I'm just dreaming. Let me just go on back to sleep. But, but oftentimes when, when something is happening, we, we rarely, we rarely recognize and realize when God is moving. I believe because Peter lived so closely with God and, and because he had repented and was serving the Lord, that when God spoke to him, he was in the habit of obeying him. We are in the habit oftentimes of questioning what God says. Do I really have to do it? God loves a heart that simply says, Lord, what is it that you would have me to do? When, when certain things happen to us, we always oftentimes say, why me? And we oftentimes should begin to ask, well, why not? If God can trust me with this. Lord, what are you saying? What are you doing? It is the light of God's word that urges us to hurry on. The word of God says, the day you hear my voice, don't hearten your heart. You'll find that in Hebrews, Hebrews chapter 3, verses 7 and 8. So God shines, first shines a light on your impossible plight. That's what God does. He shines a light on your situation. There is no way for you to escape because now you are chained. The light is shining, but you're chained to whatever is holding you down. Any attempt of escaping appears impossible, impossible because you are bound on both sides. Any thoughts of even the chains coming off, you then are chained because there are guards at the, at the entrance to keep you from getting out. Satan has all of the exits covered so that you cannot escape his grasp. It is only when God shines his light on the situation is he exposed and only when God tells you that you are free are you delivered. You see, it's actually sin that keeps us down and keeps us chained. You, you see, it, it, is, it is sin that keeps us in the dark when God has been shining a light on our situation. And you have to work hard, 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 hard to try to, to deny and block out God's light. He's constantly trying to shine. But when God removes his light, that's not a situation that you really want to be in. God shows us that he must bring deliverance right where we are. You see, it was God who, who, who needed to go to Peter. And it was, it was the Lord who needed to shine the light. You see, there are situations and times when we really can get out of our troubles. And then we oftentimes say, hey, I'm going to come as soon as I do this. I'm, I'm going I'm to come to the Lord as soon as. The Bible says you are to come as you are. And it was Peter's situation that it was right where he was that the Lord needed to come to deliver him. You can't deliver yourself. Many people are trying to deliver themselves and they can't. It's only the light of the Lord that can be shined on your situation. Hmm. Upon getting the instructions from the angel, Peter thinks he's seeing a vision. The deliverance by God through his angel shows that God walks you right out of the enemy's presence, and there's nothing that he can do to stop you. 
When God begins to deliver you and delivers you, there's nothing the enemy can do to stop you. You got to surrender yourself to the enemy, says God, and take your hand out of this, and you got to snatch your hand out of God's hand to deny Him. For God to to call you and to walk with you, you got to take your pull your hand from His in order for for Him to leave you. The Bible says that God will never leave you nor forsake you. And, and, and it's a person who's unwilling to walk in the light of God, who's constantly going their own way. That's just like us as sheep. Sheep, they're always getting in trouble. They're always heading for danger. That's why sheep have to be protected. And that's why the wolf is just sitting there waiting. He's just kind of mm, licking his chops. There's one right there. Yeah, I'm going to just wait till they stray a little bit farther. And they are too far to get back, and they are too far to the next destination, and I got them. That's what the enemy will do. He'll get you right out there and just wait till you get way across the field. Remember the story that my dad told. A person was going across this field. And as he started across the field, there was a bull out in the pasture. And it was too far. It was too far for him to run back because he couldn't run, run the bull. And there was a tree that he saw in the distance. And so he took off running for the tree, and the bull took off after him. And as he's running, and the bull is on his posterior. Behind, y'all, behind. <laughs> Breathing. He jumped up for the limb that was about 15 feet and missed it. No. But he caught it on the way down. (laughs) (laughs) Well, when, when trouble comes, We've got to have a place where we can find rescue. Yes. We, we, a place where we can just, we just put our confidence in the Lord. Peter could rest because he had already put his trust in the Lord. <laughs> As they leave, the angel walks Peter out, and Peter thinks it's a vision. And when they come to the gate of the city, the Bible says that it opens of its own accord. Now, now, y'all, y'all know the, the, the gates. Now, back in the, think about this. Now, when we see one of those gates, fancy gates, and person drives up and push a button, the gate just slowly, we go, whoa. Now, imagine back in that day where you got candlelights for light and you don't know about electricity and all that. And they're walking towards the gate. I'm, now, some of y'all be spooked if I'm walking towards the door and the door is just open of its own accord as I walk there. Some of y'all be thinking, hmm. The gate to the city, heavy gate, just opens for them as they go. And the Bible says the angel then leaves him. He left Peter. Now, isn't it interesting that while the angel leaves Peter, he doesn't tell Peter then what to do. Peter knows what to do. My God. Peter recognized that once he gets to this place, the Bible says that he recognized that it was really happening. That the Lord delivered him, not only from Herod, but from all it says that the Jewish people were planning to do. Point number two, prayer mixed with unbelief. 
You'll find that in verse 12, chapter 12, verse 5, and verses 12 through 17. The faith of this servant girl, Rhoda, is a rebuke to those in the prayer meeting. Now, gather, and get this. The, the believers have gathered at, a, at the house of John Mark's mother. They met in homes. And so those that were, that were wealthy and had big homes, they would have meetings. And the church would gather there. And this is where the church is at. They're at, a, at, at the home of John Mark. Why does it mention John Mark? Because we're going to be introduced to John Mark a little bit later. He becomes important. And also he writes the book of the Gospel of Mark. And we're introduced to him right here. But Mark had a little problem later on that we'll see. But it is at this house, and the Bible had already said that they were praying earnestly because the brother of John, whose name was James, was killed. And because he was killed, and, they had, and when Herod had arrested Peter, they prayed even more earnestly. And so Peter goes to the house, and while he goes and knocks on the door, the servant girl goes to the door. And now get this, it's already late at night, but the church is praying. The body had gathered. It was a large gathering, and they were praying for Peter's release. God, please intervene. Do a work, Lord. Deliver Peter. And, and Rhoda goes to the door and says, Peter's at the door. And they stop the prayer meeting and say, You're out of your mind. He's in jail. We're praying for him. Leave us alone. Lord, deliver Peter. In Jesus' name. Peter's at the door. Peter is not at the door. We're praying for him. He's in jail. Oh, God, deliver Peter. Peter is at the door. It must be his angel. Now, hold it. It takes more faith to believe that it's an angel at the door than Peter. Our thinking sometimes is a little off. They believe that individuals, people, had guardian angels. And, and the Lord has angels for individuals. We see that with Elijah. Of, any, of of I think it was Elisha, wasn't it? Elisha. It was a, it was a, the, the angel that surrounded that mountain. The ones that are for us is more than, than what they have. <laughs> but, but, but when, but when she's saying, I, I have to, I have to commend Rhoda here. Because when you think about this, here is a servant girl who has not even seen Peter. Hasn't heard him say his name, but knows his voice. Oh, see, listen to me. God is calling, but everybody does not know the voice of God. God is speaking, but everyone is not sensitive to the voice of God. God's word is alive and active, but everybody is not in the word of God. But there are people who are saying that God gave me a word. And they're not in the word of God. Be careful of those people. Who are always getting words from the Lord. And always have a word for your situation. Be careful. Be careful. It was Rhoda who said, it is Peter, and she would not take no for an answer. <laughs> she would not be dissuaded from what she knew was a fact. 
And no matter how many people there were there, she says, he is at the door. And the Bible says that he kept knocking. Then they went, oh, it's Peter. And she probably, duh, I was telling you that. (laughs) Rhoda's faith for hearing the word is to be commended. While those that were praying were praying with doubt and unbelief. When we come to God, we must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those that diligently seek him. That's our God, that when you seek God diligently, he rewards you. Coming to God, Lord, I thank you and pray for the situation. I really don't believe you're going to do it. But, oh, Lord, I pray that you open doors for me, and I think they're all going to stay closed. But I thank you today. Double-minded prayers. We've got to be careful that when we go to God, God can do anything. And I think Rhoda is an example of just saying she heard and she believed. That's Peter. She knew his voice. And after Peter tells him everything, then he says, I want you to go tell James and the brethren. Where the say, wait, 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 didn't James get killed? Yep. But this is a different James. How many of y'all knew that? What James is this? This James that Peter is referring to is James, the brother of Jesus. This James is, is the James where Jesus, when Jesus walked to earth, his brothers didn't believe him. They, they, they ridiculed and just, there's not a prophet just, you know, don't stay in his own town. You need to go out and make yourself known. But this James, who is the brother of Jesus, became the head of the church in Jerusalem. And once Jesus rose, he, he became a believer and became a leader. And it was to this James that Peter said, I want you to tell James and the brethren all the things that God has done. And the Bible says he then left. Then the, the scene switches back. There was no small commotion among <laughs> the guards as Herod begins to question. Because when they looked around, bring them out. Um, wait a minute. Give me some light in here. Peter, you, you, you Peter? You can come by here. Y'all, y'all, hey, I was chained to y'all. Okay. We, he ain't here. He didn't come through here. Peter ain't here, y'all. Oh, Lord. Oh, no. What are we going to do? What was called the Justinian law was that whatever the consequence and penalty was for the person in jail, if that person escaped, the soldier's got to pay that price. So, since Peter's was execution, all the guards, the 16, that were, especially those four, we know, on duty, the guards, after a careful search was made, and they would have gone to John Mark's mother's house, they searched and couldn't find them, and the guards were all executed. If a person's, if a person's uh, punishment was to be 40 lashes, as they say, minus one, in other words, you beat right up until the point of death. They would give them 39 lashes. That's what the guards would have gotten 
whatever the penalty was. But the Bible says, but the word of God continued to grow. Then the scene then changes to Herod Agrippa as he goes to Caesarea. Now, give me a few minutes here. Herod the Great um, had about nine or ten wives. And, and Herod was a great military man in regards to battles. He was, he was a person that at one point went and helped deliver Syria that had been um, beaten and had been attacked. And, and because of his military exploits, he became accepted by many of the Jewish people because he, they saw him as helping to protect them. He was a valiant warrior, a great strategist. And as time had gone on, he had proved himself, and Caesar in Rome made him to be king in Jerusalem. See, the word first would come to Rome, and if there was major things that had happened, they had to get on a boat and do whatever they needed to do and go to Rome. Get the word and then come back. He was made king, but a few years before he actually took power. When he comes to power as king, he married Miriam. But before Miriam, he had married a lady by the name of Doris. And Doris had a son by the name of Antipater. And he had a brother. And, and, and they were not of nobility. They were like poor people. Common people. They weren't for royalty. You know, people that are rich are the royalty. The next king is going to be the prince or Prince Harry. And, you know, in England, it's passed down to the family. But Herod's family was Plagued with manipulation and cunning and deceit, envy and murder. Oh, it would make a wonderful movie for the filmmakers down in, in L.A. They'd probably add some other license to it and add some things. But Herod loved Miriam, who was of nobility. She, she had a son named Alexander and Aristobulus. Alexander, Aristobulus, on the queen's side, they were royalty. Doris, poor, not of royalty, had Antipater and his brother. And so there was always feuding and always vying for the throne. So Antipater was very cunning, very deceptive. He began to gain the ear of a king and many others. Anybody he could pay off, he'd pay off and tell them to say this. But he was, oh, he had a way with words. Eventually came that kept talking about attempts being made by Aristobulus and by Alexander on their dad to kill him. And Herod was already beginning to freak out and always concerned about somebody taking the throne. Well, Miriam hated Herod, her husband. She was upset with him, but he loved her because he killed part of her family. He killed them earlier on, and she didn't forget it. So she was always rude and mean, and, and so there were those on the other side always feeding Herod with her and bringing the seed. And so Herod had to go on an expedition one day. But told his friend Joseph, whom he trusted, I want you 
to watch the queen. And if I don't return from the battle, kill her. I don't want nobody else to have her. Somehow, that word got to Miriam. Found out. So when King Herod the Great came back from his victory and told her and told her how much he loved her. And she, oh, you love me so much to the point to where you wanted me to die. So the plot was known. Herod is thinking, ah, Joseph is messing around my wife. He told her, and therefore he's also conniving. He killed Miriam and killed Joseph. Then he killed his son Alexander and Aristobulus. Herod was, became a madman. So when he killed his two sons, they had children. Aristobulus had a son that was four. That's, Alec, that's Herod Agrippa in our story. Herod Agrippa, because of the killing of his father, those that thought that, oh my goodness, he's going to be killed, they sent him to Rome. And he raised, was raised in the household of Caesar. When he became of age and after several things, he had been in prison at one point, one of the Caesars, his friend Claudius, put him in charge of Jerusalem. Now, I'm cutting a lot of things out, but let me just get to this. Herod Agrippa, in this story, as you remember, is the one who was there at the trial of Jesus. His uncle is the one that beheaded John. Now, this Herod Agrippa that's planning to kill Peter has already killed James comes from a line of a family that's full of bloodshed, and that's what they know. Kills the soldiers, and then because of a conflict that is happening down in Caesarea, he goes down there, which was part of his, where his hometown, not hometown, but I think part of his throne was, and went down to spend some time there to deal with some, some events. And according to history, this King Agrippa had several events taking place. He was entertaining dignitaries and possibly doing, having, uh, participating in, in organizing the game, but he goes there. And it is recorded that on this one day, he is dressed in all silver. It was magnificent. It is described that in the morning when he came out before the people, because the people didn't really like him, but they depended upon him for their food. So he goes out early on this morning, and the way it is described that the sunlight, the way it shined off of this silver was fascinating. And as the people saw this, it was as if this, this shining figure was like a god. And they said to him, you are not a man. You are a god. And they repeated this, mant this mantra over and over. And the Bible says it was because he didn't give honor to the Lord. Because he didn't give honor to the Lord, the Bible says an angel of the Lord struck him with a disease. It is described that while he is standing there, he doubled over right there on the spot. And as he's there, there was an owl that appeared above him. 
Earlier, when he was in prison, there was an owl that appeared above his head in the prison cell. And one of the individuals in the jail said, that's a good omen. That, one, that means you're going to be released. There was another prisoner said, but if that same owl appears a second time, you will be dead in five days. Within a few days, he was released. When he saw that owl after doubling over, he panicked and knew that his death was imminent. In five days, he was dead. Herod Agrippa died a painful death as he was eaten from the inside out. When we look at God's judgment, God says he will not share his glory with another. When the people tried to call Peter a God, he immediately said, no. You remember when he even went to Cornelius. Cornelius bowed down and said, get up. He said, I am a man just, just like you are. God is looking at what is your response to me. We live in a world today that really does not understand God's judgment. Herod the Great even killed his other son Antipater when he discovered all the harm he was doing. People that are paranoid, you got to be careful of. People that are don't know the Lord, be careful of. Sometimes the people that know the Lord. Uh, <laughs> but I need to say this as we come to a conclusion. Herod Agrippa I, that refused to give honor to the Lord and recognize that he is the great king, and he was, as God was saying, how dare you fight against my church and kill my servants? God says, it is mine to avenge. I will repay. Today, there are people who think that they're getting by with sin in the church as well as outside. There are people who think on the outside that I can just keep right on going. Judgment is already in place for some and is coming for others. God says, turn. When God says for his people to repent, it is a matter that God says, I love you so much. I don't want you going this way because the enemy is pulling you down to destruction. But the Bible says, I've come that you may have life and that you may have it even more abundantly. That's the God that we serve. Life, life. He loves people. But on the other side, there's the enemy. The enemy is always pulling you. Come on back into the dark. <laughs> While God is always pushing you. And bringing you, I should say, into the light. That's the God that we serve. Amen. Bow your heads if you would. The Lord is wonderful in his mercy. Today, Lord, may we choose life. May we not go the way of Herod, Agrippa, or the Herods. May we not be a conniving people. People always trying to do something else, to be seen. God says, I won't share my glory. With anyone. And so when we serve God, it is for the glory, for the honor of the almighty God. And today, we want you to be honored above all. We want Christ to be seen. We want the radiance of your glory to be seen and revealed. Ah, we thank you for your powerful deliverance. Now, may we walk in obedience to the Lord. May we live in obedience to the will of God, always recognizing that God has good plans for us, plans to prosper us and not to harm us, plans to give us a good future. Today we thank you for the powerful word of God, the great word of God, 
Today we pray that we will stand with the saints. Stand with those that's praying for God's will to be done. And living in obedience to the will. May we do it without fail. Today, Lord, anybody in this place that doesn't know you, may they quickly say, God, forgive me of all my sins. I accept you. Anybody in this place that does not know the Lord, today is a day where you only need to say, God, I'm sorry. Would you forgive me? And you are automatically forgiven. That's all it requires. Ain't jumping through a bunch of hoops just saying, Lord, I'm going to repent and I'm going to live for you. And God will take you through. He's the one that blesses and gives you increase. That's what needs to happen. It's a matter of accepting the Lord. And if people are waiting, it's a dangerous place to be. Just saying, Lord, forgive me. I'm sorry. Forgive me of my sins. And I will walk in obedience to your word. Thank you, Lord, today. We give you the glory and all the praise in your precious name. Amen. God bless you.